Preachers have, and all speakers really have, uh, have what you would call verbal tics. Um, little things uh, that they say that um, maybe, uh, uh, maybe drive uh, their, you know, the people listening to them crazy. Um, particularly, I've, I've got some that drive my wife crazy. Um, you all never complain about them, but she complains about them all the time. And uh, one of them is... And I used to be way worse at this. I used to be an uh and um machine, right? Everything was uh and um and uh. And, and I sounded like I didn't do my homework the night before, right? And, uh, and, and uh, um, so <laughs> the, the others that I've noticed is I have a tendency to say right a lot. You know, when I, I make a good point, I want to know that you agree with it. And, and I'm really needy, and so I say right, you know? Jesus is Lord of all, right? <laughs> uh, he's Lord of all whether you all agree with it or not. It's just a verbal tick. <laughs> um, and, and then another is I, I have this habit of saying see, you know? Like when I get to like a, a really important point, I say, see, Jesus is Lord of all, right? <laughs> so there you go. Uh, see and write. And I know I'm doing it, and, uh, and yet I still can't help it. It's just it's, it's these verbal tics. And I bring this up because the author of Hebrews has a verbal tick. And if you were to sit down and read the book of Hebrews all the way through, uh, it might even grate on you a little bit. Uh, the, book of, uh, the, the author of Hebrews has this habit of using the word Therefore, uh, maybe 16 times in 13 chapters, uh, the book of Hebrews uses the word therefore. It's almost like a verbal tick. Everything is therefore with this guy. Therefore this, therefore that. And, um, and, and I have been calling this passage that we just read, um, it's, it's a title I'm trying to get started. Uh, I like to call it the great therefore. Because this is maybe the most important, therefore, uh, in, in the entire book of Hebrews. Uh, it's this, uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. I had a uh, youth pastor that used to, when we were reading the Bible, he would say, anytime you encounter the word therefore in Scripture, you need to back up and see what it's there for, right? Because if you start with therefore, you realize that you're coming in in the middle of an argument, that there is something that, uh, that, 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 that the writer has set up and is now saying, therefore, in response to what I just said, do this. And so if you ever start your, your, your passage with therefore, you need to back up and see what it's there for. So let's back up. What is this there for? It's in the, uh, in, in the couple verses we read leading up to the great therefore. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised 
since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now, here's what the author's saying. All of the great heroes of the faith that we talked about last week, Abraham, Moses, David, all of them were pressing on towards something that they didn't achieve in their lifetime. Something that we can achieve in our lifetime through Jesus Christ. They were, perfe- they were, they were, they were pressing on towards being made perfect. Right? Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Right? The, uh, uh, the, the, the great heroes of the faith were, were, were striving, were pressing on towards perfection, but they didn't achieve it in their lifetimes. But because of Jesus Christ and his atoning work on the cross, we can be made perfect here in this lifetime. We can be perfect. Now, wait a minute, preacher. What are you talking about, right? What do you mean we can be made perfect? Nobody's perfect, right? The only perfect person that ever existed was Jesus, right? What do you mean that that, that we're called to be perfect? Um, There's only a couple of us, so I won't ask you to raise your hands, but at at, at the last service, I asked everyone to raise their hands. Who who agrees with that? Nobody can be perfect. Most everyone raised their hand. Well, we are called to be perfect. With God, all things are possible. And Jesus showed that that a, a perfect human life is possible. And he commanded his disciples. Remember, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Be ye therefore perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now I ask you, would he have commanded something of us that was impossible to do? Would he have asked us to achieve something that we couldn't possibly achieve in this lifetime? Most of us, when we think about perfection, we think about, we think about perfection like we think about um, Olympic diving. Now if you think about Olympic diving... Um, in order to be a perfect diver, you are going to be graded on everything you do uh, from the moment you step up on the board to the moment you get out of the pool, right? And everything in between. An Olympic diver, uh, when, when they dive, um, there are judges all around them. Now, there's, there's a judge watching, uh, watching from above. There's a judge uh, watching from each side of the pool. There's a judge in a box somewhere. And they're all judging different aspects of the diving. And in order to do the perfect dive, each of those judges that is judging you on a scale of 1 to 10, each of those judges has to agree that it was a perfect 10. Right? And so the only perfect diver is the one that gets 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. That's what most of us think of when we think of perfection. Like if I say you have to be perfect in this lifetime, then from the moment you're born to the moment you die, 
the judge has to score you a perfect 10 every step along the way. And so when you hear me say, you got to be perfect, you probably think, well, here I am midair. I've already messed up. I did a hundred imperfect things up on that diving board. And even if we allow for the blood of Jesus, right, and say, well, that's washed everything back there clean, I know that between here and, and the pool, I'm going to do a hundred other things imperfectly. And so I sort of sit down and say, well, that's impossible. No one can do that. No one can be perfect. But that's not the metaphor our passage uses, the metaphor of Olympic diving. The metaphor our passage this morning uses is the metaphor of a race. In a race, you don't have a judge at every mile marker, you know, judging your form, right? there's There's only one way to win a race, right? There's no style points for grace. It's whoever gets past whoever gets past the finish line, right, has won the race. That's the sense of perfection that the Bible uses. The word, uh, the, the Greek word that's translated perfect is this word teleo. And, and teleo literally means to bring to an end, right, to, to, to bring to a finish. The sense of teleo is, is, is that, 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 that something is, is, has finally been completed, Right, and then you say it's perfect. Think of like a like a sculptor, right? He he starts out with this big hunk of marble and he chisels away and chisels away at it. Well, he makes mistakes along the way, and and then he's got to fix that and fix you know, and uh, and then and he looks at it and doesn't look quite look right, and so he chisels here and chisels there. But finally, at the very end of it, he's finally got exactly what he imagined when he set out. To make the sculpture. So he puts the hammer down and the chisel down and he says, it's perfect. It's finished. I've completed. I can walk away and do something else. That's the sense of which we're using the word perfect. That there will come a time, hopefully in this lifetime, where, where our Heavenly Father will be finished making us into what we are called to be. That he'll be able to put down the hammer and put down the chisel and say, just as he said on the fifth day of creation, it's very good. It's completely restored. This, this is who James is made to be. This is who Jim is made to be. This is who Anne is made to be. To be, it's perfect. That's what we're talking about when we talk about Christian perfection. We're talking about getting to the finish line, finishing the race. You may have fallen down a hundred times. You, you, you may have been the least graceful runner out there, but you got to the finish line. You're perfect. You're finished. You're done. That's the sense of perfection. So what's the finish line? What is it that we're aiming towards, striving for? What does it mean to be perfect? 
Well, maybe uh, as you all have done your, uh, uh, your, 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 your study to disciple path, maybe you've talked about this, but, but the sense of Christian perfection we use as Methodists is to be perfected in love. Here's what we mean by this. Each of us was created to love the Lord our God with all our heart, strength, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Right? Those are the two greatest commandments. Uh, according to Jesus, if you're doing these two things, you don't need to worry about all the other commandments in the Bible because they will naturally just flow forth as the fruit of your life. As long as you are loving God with all you've got and loving your neighbor as yourself. If you ever reach a point in life where you're motivated entirely out of love of God and love of neighbor... You're finished. You're done. You're perfect. Now, that doesn't mean you never make a mistake. You know, you can make lots of mistakes as long as you're making your mistakes out of love of God and as long as you're making your mistakes trying to love your neighbor, you're still perfect. It's about the condition of the heart, the restored condition of the heart. When you reach that point in your life, you've got to the finish line. And John Wesley taught and believed, and I teach and believe, that it's possible in this life. Now, I haven't met a lot of people who have done it, but it's possible in this life. And each of us are called to it. That's what each of us are to be striving for, is to get to that place where we love God so fully and we love our neighbor so fully that, that, that there's no room for sin. In our life. That's Christian perfection. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes in Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So, something I've noticed the last couple of years, around this time of year, is, uh, is, is they, at the school they'll do field day. And field day is a lot different now than it used to be when I was a kid. You know, I, I, you know, I, I saw my son at field day a couple years ago, and there were bouncy houses, and there were snow cone carts, and it looked like a rich kid's birthday party. That's what field day looked like. And, um, and that's not what field day was like when I was a kid, right? Like, my, uh, William came home with a ribbon, right? Um, and, and I asked him what he won. He said, nothing. Everyone got a ribbon for field day. When I was a kid, field day was a series of events, and there were winners and there were losers, right? And I remember this vividly because I was always the loser, Right? <laughs> I always wanted to come home with one of them ribbons and never got to, except for once in second grade. Once in second grade, I came in first place. And I'll tell you what event I came in first place. I came in first place in the three-legged race. See, in second grade, I had this friend named Harvey. And Harvey was like the fastest, strongest kid in the class. 
And when it came time to do the three-legged race, Harvey came up to me and said, hey, let's do the three-legged race together. And I said, yeah, sure. And so, you know, they, they tied us up, probably a little uh, tighter than this, and, uh, and, 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 and they blew the whistle, and off we went. It took Harvey about 0.5 seconds to realize that I was dead weight. <laughs> and that if he was going to win this race, uh, he was going to do it on his own. And so, uh, and so I, I, I remember, you know, about 0.5 seconds into the race, uh, he takes his arm at, like under my armpit and hoists me up and carries me as he runs across the finish line. Now, in a box... In my parents' attic, there is a first-place ribbon. Right? It's mine. No one can ever take it away from me. But I know that I did not earn that ribbon. Right? I know in my heart of hearts um, that, that I, was, I was held aloft. I was carried by a power. Right? I was carried by a power greater than myself. Uh, y'all, you know where I'm going with this, Right? Each of us is running this race toward perfection. Each of us is running uh, uh, this, this Christian race to, 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 to be perfected in love. But we are not running it alone. And we are not running it on our own power. Each of us is tethered to a power greater than ourselves. Each of us has the, the Holy Spirit within us Doing in us what we cannot do in ourselves. Doing through us what we cannot do ourselves. Uh, uh, Constantly pushing us and encouraging us and and picking us up and getting us to the finish line. And so when I'm talking about uh, uh, running toward perfection, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, works-based righteousness all over again. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, all these things you have to do on your own strength. I'm talking about surrendering to the work and activity of the Holy Spirit within you. It's, a, it's like that three-legged race. It, 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 it's, it's cooperation. You're running, but not on your own strength. You're running tethered to a power greater than yourself. Philippians 1.6 said, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. And that word complete is the same, teleos. Will be faithful to perfect it. He who began a good work in you will, will bring it to perfection, will complete it. See, when you became saved, when, 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 when you chose Jesus, Jesus began regenerating you. He began restoring the image of God in you. He began uh, uh, working you towards perfection. As you know, with us, it's two steps forward, one step back. You know, we weren't made perfect overnight. But we can have faith that the one that started that work will complete that work that we will be made perfect. Some of us in this life, some of us in the life to come. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, we do not run alone. We do not run alone because we have this spirit inside of us, but also because we've got this great cloud of witnesses behind us. Now, all the people, you know, the, the heroes of the faith that we talked about last week, Moses and, and Abraham and David, but also the modern heroes of the faith that have gone on before us. You know, uh, 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 Martin Luther King, uh, Billy Graham, uh, uh, Mother Teresa, right? All of them are in the crowd too cheering us on. All the people that have made Oak Grove United Methodist Church what it is. The people that got us to Sunday school when we were kids, right? That have gone on to join the great cloud of witnesses. They are lights behind us cheering us on, encouraging us. We can feel them with us as we press on toward perfection. We don't run alone. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We don't run alone because we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. We've got that, that cloud of witnesses behind us. Also because we've got our brothers and sisters in Christ beside us. Right? Racing isn't, isn't a solo sport. We're all racing together. We are all, all, all pressing towards the same goal. Some of us are ahead. Some of them have been doing this race for a long time and have made much more progress than we have. Some are lagging behind. But we encourage each other. We, we pull each other forward. We, 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 we cheer those that are ahead of us and, 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 and we, we cheer them on to perfection. We, 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 we give each other water and nourishment when we're weary and we're ready to give up. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance to race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The spirit within us, the cloud of witnesses behind us, our brothers and sisters beside us, and Jesus ahead of us. We can run this race because we're not alone. Because Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You know what that means? Jesus designed the race. He, 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 he designed every, every turn, every hurdle. He knows it backwards and forwards. But Jesus also ran the race. He emptied himself of his divinity, emptied himself of his godness, took on the very nature of a servant. And he ran the race ahead of us. Every hurdle he jumped, every cruel turn of the road he endured. He pressed on to the very end. He showed us that it could be done. When he died on the cross, he showed us Perfect obedience to the Father 
and perfect love toward our neighbors. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. This morning, we celebrate Holy Communion together. We don't celebrate it alone. We are able to come to the table because of the spirit that dwells in us. We come to the table as a part of a long line of saints that have shared this meal before. And we come to this table as brothers and sisters in Christ. We come to this table to encounter Christ who went before us giving his body and his blood so that if we fix our eyes upon him, we can finish our race. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.